0: One thing before we get started with this week's episode, the second annual United States of Southampton FC event is on. Last year, everybody met in New York, had a great time, so this year we're doing it again, and it's in Chicago. So if you are a United States or Canadian or Mexican-based Saints fan, or really if you're anywhere and you just want to support the team and uh, you want to visit Chicago, this is the time to do it. So it all starts with kickoff at 9 a.m. on April 4th at Fado's Irish Pub in downtown Chicago, and after the match, after Saints hopefully, take some points from Watford. We'll be moving on to soldier field where we will watch Josh Sims and the New York Red Bulls take on the Chicago fire. The link in the show notes will take you to a page where you can book a discounted ticket for that match. We're trying to sit together to block off rows 14 to 16 for our own little red and white section at soldier field. So if you are interested, the link is in the show notes. Uh, If you're on Facebook, that's the easiest way to uh, get in touch with the event uh, to let them know you're coming and uh, I hope to see as many of you there as possible. So if you have questions, let me know. I will direct you to the proper people. Uh, but until then, let's get to the show. You're listening to the Southampton Delivery P- P- Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans. <laughs> You have guarantees, you have to buy a washing machine.
1: With stupid...
0: <laughs> we don't lose a match, either we win or we learn. And today we learn. learned.
1: It's Team field to Mane, 25 yards out. Lovely ball for Pella. Onside, 1-0. The fast shot, oh my word! It was unbelievable. He ran around the pit like Bambi on ice. It was very, very embarrassing to watch.
0: And now, and now, and now your, host, your host, Matt Markstone. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast and newsletter dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans, and available right here on SouthamptonDelivery.com. My name is Matt Markstone. I am the host of the show. And No matter where you are, no matter how you may be listening, whether this is your first time or you've been here before, thanks for making the show a part of your day. I hope that you enjoy it, and I don't really know what you would have enjoyed. About that match, I'll be honest. There wasn't uh, a whole lot there. Um, one team kind of sitting deep in the second half, uh, hoping to hold on for a point, and Steve Bruce's Newcastle trying to pick the lock and really failing to do so until we gave them an in. We basically left the keys out for them. They took advantage and they leave St. Mary's with all three points but when things don't go your way you only have a couple of choices and i think the choice here is to move on to look forward to next week to try to build on on something that was there there's there's got to be a foundation for something uh we at least did look organized in the second half in terms of defending with 10 men and let's face it uh, last time we went down to 10 men at home the other team scored 9 goals and that didn't happen this week so there you go i guess that's the positive we'll build on that or something going forward but Anyway, we have a lot of stuff to talk about with this week's guest, Michael Kern. You can find him on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Michael Kern. And if that name sounds familiar, uh, maybe you visited the fan zone at St. Mary's uh, pre-match and you've seen him there. And if you're one of the fans of Southampton who lives outside of the UK like me, uh, maybe you saw him last season on the Premier League's fan zone, which is one of the shows he used to host. And yeah, he currently does a lot of things. He's the voice of, of England hockey. He does the, like I said, the fan zone outside of St. Mary's. Um, Maybe you've seen the Desire, Dream, Vision uh, talk that he gives. Um, Maybe you've seen him elsewhere. Maybe you were at the Southampton End of Season Awards last season where he was the host. Or maybe you've heard him on this show before. But if you haven't heard him anywhere else, he's here now to talk about his new book, Life of a Saint. If you want more information on that, Uh, listen to the episode, but also visit lifeofasaint.co.uk. Also, you can follow along on social media at lifeofasaint85. Uh, Anyway, uh, I am very excited to talk to him about the book and also about the match to Newcastle, even though that was a bit less exciting. But he's there. He works for the club. uh, So I avoided some of the questions, especially around the sale of the club. I didn't even uh, bring it up with him. I don't want to put anybody in a weird situation just yet. And as of now, it's just rumor. So we're just going to go with it. I'm sure more information will come out over the next uh, couple of weeks. And uh, when that happens, we will uh, discuss it. But uh, didn't get to it this week uh, for a number of reasons. But anyway, let's go ahead and get to the conversation now. I won't keep you here any longer. Uh, once again, this is Michael Kern. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you on the other side. We'd like to welcome back to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, Michael Kern. You can find him on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook at Michael Kern. Uh, he's got a book out, Desire, Dream, Vision, and another one coming out uh, that is Life of a Saint. Michael, thanks for taking the time to to join us in between, you know, doing Saints Match Day stuff and and uh I forget where where it exactly it airs, but uh other Match Day stuff in the Premier League. And and here you are.
1: Yeah, man, thanks so much for having me on. Yeah, it's uh, it's crazy at the minute. Kind of when you list things off like that, you kind of appreciate how busy you are until someone lists it off like that. But yeah, no, it's um. Yeah, it's a crazy season again. I know we spoke last year and I was doing bits and pieces and this year I'm lucky enough to be involved with the club and doing some television across Indonesia on a match day covering the Premier League. So um, lots going on, lots on the agenda and really excited to be working on this new Saints book as well, which which comes out a little bit later this year.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and hopefully we get to talk about that a little bit and also about, uh, uh, of course, the the Newcastle match that did happen. Uh, We're speaking Sunday evening your time and so... It was yesterday, so we'll probably say yesterday, even though people won't hear it till Tuesday, but it's just how, how it goes. But um Desired Revision was uh, your, your first book, I think. And then, yeah. I don't know, I, I think when people go back and listen to kind of how you got to where you are now and what that looked like for you. I think it, it shows kind of uh, you, you lay that out very nicely in Desire, Dream, Vision and kind of how to go about that stuff. And if, if that's correct.
1: Yeah, no, it's, it's an amazing journey, really, the whole Desire, Dream, Vision thing. It's just been the, the philosophy of, of how I've got to where I've got to. I've been incredibly lucky. As I said last time I was on, you know, done some amazing things. And, you know, life's always changing. Life's always adapting. And, you know, there are a few changes over the summer with, um, with the Premier League stuff and Fan Zone that I was doing. that I'm not on that this year. Um, and kind of the desire to envision and DDV just links into that and just kind of keeping positive, keeping a good frame of mind and keep working hard. And, you know, you, you create the destiny you want to create and, you know, you put the right effort in and put put the uh, enthusiasm in. You can always make things happen. So, yeah, DDV's gone really well. First edition went incredibly well. We have pretty much sold out of that now. So we're going to do a second edition version of that um, a little bit later this year a um, little bit tied up with another book at the moment I'm writing, which we're about to talk about. But yeah, no, it's, um, it's been incredibly well received and, you know, it's great to just keep spreading the message and hopefully inspiring a few people to to follow their dream.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and, and I can say that, uh, you know, part of, part of what happens is when you go to do, um, a new thing or something that you are you know hoping to do, it doesn't always work out, but you have some choices at that point. You can either kind of just turn it in and say, oh, well, it wasn't meant to be, or you can, you know, continue to find another path. And I think that, you know, you mentioned the, the fan zone thing that, um, that I think that's where we met actually the, yeah. the first time. And, and it, that was a wonderful thing for me. And with my schedule change at work and things like that, I haven't been able to do it. And, you know, it's it, I miss it, but at the same time, like, uh, you know, you got to take the positives from it that you have. And, and, and here we are. So, um, the book that's coming out at the end of May, but the presale is uh, coming up later this month is life of a saint. Uh, and I, I guess just because it's, it is kind of a new thing for, for everybody. Why don't you just kind of walk us through what people can expect when they, uh, when they get the book?
1: Yeah, for sure. So, um, it's a project that I've kind of had in the back of my mind for a while. I wanted to get to the stories of the players of how they became a saint. You know, I'm very lucky now that I've got lots of friends that are former saints players and, and colleagues and people that I've got to know over the years and we, they just tell such great stories. And, you know, it's not just the, the named players that, you know, internationally, are know, like, the Matt Letiziers, the Franny Benalis, and, and the James Beattes, but there's players like Bill Beanie who played for the Washington Diplomats and people like Mike Earls and there's some amazing players and they've all got such great stories. And I was just really conscious of it'd be amazing to record these stories down. You know, we we have the evening with with, with Matt and, and players like that and Laurie. But there's a massive group of players that are kind of cult heroes really that fans of Southampton Football Club know. They know their stories and they know their journey and I wanted to record it so they didn't get lost. And I just kind of came up with this idea of, well, it would be really cool to do a book called Life of a Saint where we interview these players and maybe if we can get 16, that'd be really cool. Um, and just kind of ask them the cool questions, you know, what was it like on the day you signed? Um, you know, when you sat in an office with Laura McMenemy, did you meet Ted Bates? What was your first interaction? How were the fans, um, your debut? And all those really cool little things that we like to hear as fans and, and those little stories. So I spoke to a guy called Mike View who's, He's involved with a lot of the ex players and we kind of sat down and had a chat and i said this is what i'd like to do do you think there'd be any interest from the players to do it and he said michael let me ask some questions and we'll see what happens and you know that was um, back in november um the original concept was to do 16 players in the first book um and we've got 26 um the players have been so enthused to get involved which is incredible so you know just looking through the list of, of people that are going to feature in the first book we've got john Sydenham, jimmy case um dennis rolf Franny Benali, James Beattie, Paul Jones, Terry Payne, Laurie McMenemy, Ruben Agboola, Jason Dodd, Danny Wallace, um, Josh Huvel is confirmed last week as well. So it's incredible. And there's, and there's names on the list as well, you know, that we're just waiting to hear back from, but are very keen. And I've got another list of six or seven that want to do it. So um, it's incredible that the support's there. And yeah, and the fans I've spoken to so far are really looking forward to it coming out. And, you know, I can't wait to share it with everyone because it's, um, um, it's a real privilege for me to be able to conduct the interviews and and spent half an hour with some of these players. And a lot of them have gone on a lot longer than half an hour. So been incredibly blessed. They've been incredibly given with their time. And i fingers crossed we've got something here, which is not only a great book the fans are going to love, but also something that really kind of keeps the memory of all these great players alive.
0: I mean, what's it been like to kind of reach out to some of those players that you kind of grew up watching and, and have these memories of? And, and now, um, I mean, sometimes I'm, I'm sure you're put in contact with some of them and other times I'm, I'm maybe it's a, it's a cold call or an email or a, a Twitter DM. I mean, how does that, how does that work for you?
1: Yeah, it's, it's a real mixed bag. So, um, I was very lucky last season to host the Southampton End of Season Awards. Um, and Terry Payne was there and, you know, I got to meet Terry and I'd always kind of looked up to him as a, as a Saints fan go, Oh my God, what a legend this guy was, part of the 1966 England squad, you know, a record breaker and in, in league appearances and, you know, an amazing kind of advocate for the Southampton football club. And, um, you know, I got to meet him on that day, and he said, "Oh, if you ever need anything, let me know." And I reached out to him. and Said, "Michael, whatever you need, I would love to." Um, yeah, and it's just—it's been incredible. Really, Josh Josu I reached out to on social media, and he came back and said, "Look, yeah, would love to. Let me know." Um, so yeah, it's been amazing. Even like Danny Wallace, I was—I was really lucky to meet Danny at the start of the season at the Manchester United game. Um, I did an interview with him pitchside at St Mary's, and kind of swapped numbers with his son, and kind of exchanged pictures because there was a couple of pictures of um, Danny pitchside which he wanted, which I sent across, and. I just dropped Tyler a message and said, look, any chance we could do an interview with your dad? This is what we're doing. We're raising some money for some good causes. And he said, just spoken to dad, no problem, whatever you want. So the fact that the former players, you know, their reaction has been like that, means we're onto something good. So fingers crossed.
0: Yeah. And I, I think that says something about the club too, and about how they feel about coming back to do those, those sort of things and their willingness to give their time to to people associated with, with the club, which I, I mean, maybe you wouldn't get um, at, at yeah. other places, I think.
1: Completely. Yeah. Southampton, you know it's a, it's one big family and you know in the forward that I, I use a line of once you're a saint you're always a saint and, and you are you know a, the reaction that the fans give yesterday we had hughie fisher pitch side you know i did my little introduction he played 302 appearances for Southampton, part of the 1976 called ladies gentlemen, please put your hands together for hughie fisher and the whole stadium was just the reaction was incredible and you know i'm very blessed to be stood next to the former players at this point when i do the interviews in stadium and um yeah, you know, I, I put the odd message out saying guys, you know, really appreciate your support for these players. Cause you don't understand how much it means to these guys to, to have that support and that love considering when they stop playing and you know, it's incredible.
0: Yeah. And, and you talk about the, the kind of saints family and, and your, some of the proceeds are staying in the family. Um, so yeah. when people, the book will be on sale or pre, for pre-order, uh, later in March. And, and I think, it's a pound per book is going back to the Saints Foundation, with uh, two pounds per book also going to other um, local charities. Um, I don't know if it's charities or, or uh, kind of explain a little bit about what, what, what's happening with that.
1: Yeah, for sure. So, the big thing for me is I wanted to make sure that the book really supported the former players and supported the club and, and the community as much as it could. So, um, a pound per book is going to be going back to the Saints Foundation, which I'm really excited about. I'm just in to talk to them about a few little things we can do. So, fingers crossed that's all going to get the green light, which would be amazing. Um, and then, yeah, £2 a book is going to go to other local good causes. So, um, yeah, there's a few little things that happen in Southampton at the moment. So, yeah, charities and good causes are really going to benefit from from the book, which is going to be incredible. So um, if we can sell the number of books that I'd like to sell, we're going to be able to do some tremendous good work to really help people, which is a massive thing for me. And we're, we're doing some limited edition artwork as well, which is going to be signed and auctioned off. And um, with a few pieces will be for sale on the website. Um, and, again, all the proceeds from that. We've got an amazing guy who's going to do the printing for us. So, um, pretty much he's going to print all the posters for nothing. So every single penny that we generate from the posters is going to go um, straight to charity, which is incredible. And it's, and it's nice. The players are well up for it, which is brilliant. And we're going to do some live events as well. So we've got a big launch event on the 9th of May for the book. So if anyone uh, who's listening in the States is over that time of year and they want to join us, um, 9th of May we've got is the book launch day and we're doing an event with um, Jimmy Case, Paul Jones, Laurent Menemy, James Beattie and Matt Leteers. So it's going to be wicked. There's going to be loads of other players there as well. Um, who are in the books. We're going to do like a sign-in session and, and a bit of a Q&A. So it's going to be pretty special. And so the reception has been amazing so far. So just really excited to get to the 9th of May. And, you know, as you've alluded to, we go on pre-sale on the 27th of March. So um, we're doing like a, I think the book's going to be about $11.99 RRP. Um, but we're going to do an offer of $9.99 pre-order, um, which I think works out about $13 in America. Um, so, um, yeah, so that's going to be quite cool. 27th of March, people can pre-order it. Um, and it'll be on their doorstep, um, on the day of release, which would be really cool. That'd be, it sounds awesome to me, man. I'm, uh, looking forward to, to getting it
0: in my hands already and May 9th is getting towards the end of the school year. So I'll have uh, plenty of time to, uh, sit down and enjoy it. Uh,
1: well, that was the plan, right? Towards the end of the season, it it's kind of launches the week before the end of the season. So fingers crossed. It's a, it's a great read for everyone over the off season while uh, they're missing the put- foot pre preseason stuff.
0: Yeah. And hopefully, um, you know, we're not preparing for life in the championship at that point. So so uh, I, I think we'll be all right, but uh, you know, worst, worst case scenario, it'll, it'll bring back some, uh, some, some good memories. If, if the season doesn't, doesn't wind up in a way that we all uh, hope it does. Um, we're going to
1: be fine. We're going to be fine.
0: <laughs> I think we will. I think we will honestly, um, e- even if, you know, uh, as the Newcastle game went, I, I just things just didn't go our way, but we'll, we'll get to all of that. If people want to visit uh, the, the website for the book uh, to get some more info on it or follow along on social media, it's at Saint 85 on social media. And then it's lifeofasaint.co.uk. Uh, links are in the show notes as always uh, to help people uh, get in touch and, and uh, get the pre-order stuff done. And of course, uh, I'll, I'll give away a book to, to one of the listeners as, as I like to do because it's, it's just a nice way to be able to support you know you and and say thank you for for doing this and I appreciate uh appreciate you doing doing the show again
1: no worries what i'll do is I'll um I'll get a book signed on the launch event on the 9th of May and I'll get it across so um we can give that one away no problem
0: all right man thank you thank you um, no do you want to do you want to move on and talk about Newcastle is that is that all right yeah man that's cool yeah all good yeah so i mean you were working yesterday at, at the match or, or or Saturday at the match um what's yeah. i mean we've had Tom Deacon on what's your role in terms of do you guys do the same thing or similar things or you alternate matches or how to what what what, i guess i'm I'm coming from it and having spoken to him recently so what's the context of your role uh on a match day
1: yeah so pretty much really similar um i kind of host the fan zone which is just outside the stadium pre-match um and then at halftime i'm pitch side with a a former legend so every game we have someone different we've had some great former players so far this season and um yeah i have the real privilege of of doing a little chat with them at halftime which uh you know, as I alluded to a little bit earlier on, is incredible the reception they get. So yeah, very lucky and got great involvement with the club, obviously doing pitch side for them. And at the end of season awards last year was, was pretty special as well. So um, yeah, very lucky to be involved as as a fan. I think it's one of the most amazing things you can do in my line of work is to be involved with, with your team. And, you know, on a match day, you know, when I give an introduction to a former player and, you know, you have got the whole of St. Mary's giving him a round of applause and you know, the way I've introduced them has enabled that applause to be, you know, to, to come to fruition is, is really special and it's something I'm really proud of that I'm involved with. So
0: yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, how, I mean, the fan zone is something new, uh, something yeah. that, uh, I'll be honest, I may have made a little bit of fun of at the beginning of the season when things weren't going well. Um, but you know, I, what's the reception been like for, for people? And have you seen, I guess what type of fans have, have you seen show? Has it been whole families coming in or has it been mostly just everybody stops by or how, what what's the, I guess, what's the demographic of fan that's been showing up
1: to that? And, and I guess, how has it changed maybe the, the match day experience for some of those people? No, for sure. So the fan zones open a couple of hours before kickoff. Um, and you know, you get a real mixed bag, you get families in there. There's like a little, um, 3g pitch area in there for for people to have a bit of a kick about, And obviously there's a bar and and food available, but we've got a big screen. So we play the lunchtime kickoff. Um, and I do a bit at halftime, do the team news and yeah, it's all kind of very relaxed and just kind of almost just like, like a a little fan zone really where you can catch up with other friends um, the saints archive and and the volunteers and stuff all meet in there so this season it's been incredible there's a, there's a team of people and fans that volunteer that do the um on pitch banner which is really cool on the center circle okay. um and saints archive which uh, i'm sure some of the, the listeners may be aware of is a yeah. facebook group where um you know the guys leon and will that run that they always meet in there and lots of the archive fans meeting there before as well so um it's a great little place to get together you know, And you know it's been a it was a tough start to the season and you know, it was a brand new thing. So it was always going to take a little bit of getting used to for the fans, but you know, I think everyone's really enjoying it so far and there's always a good vibe and good atmosphere in there. And, you know, it's great for me as well. Cause I get a chance to interact with the fans while the football's on the big screen. So, um, get to chat to fellow fans is, is always enjoyable. Yeah. So you get a mix of, of fans
0: before the game, legends at halftime, and then, you know, yeah. taking the whole, the whole experience of the day. And, uh, that's awesome. And hopefully you're you know the 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 match day or the the fan zone will help uh, you know endear some of the younger kids to to want to you know show up every day and, and encourage dad to take him down to the game early and and get a little bit more football and it'll be good. So exactly. Um, anyway, um, so from there, uh, I guess we should talk just very briefly about uh, what you, what what else you do. Um, and and you were at the the Chelsea game, which we'll I'll, we'll only mention the one team that showed up actually. Um, <laughs> Um, for you, uh, what do you, what is is a game like that harder when it's four nothing and and the game is kind of you know shut down in the last twenty minutes and you still have to be kind of excited and, and, and bring the news or how does that
1: work? Yeah, so for me, um, I'm currently doing Mola TV, which goes out across Indonesia, which um, it's incredible. It's like 245 million people in Indonesia, I think. So it's got a massive audience out there, and again, it's that just a reminder of how big the pull is of, of, of the Premier League and, and different teams around the world, which is really cool. So, yeah, I get to host pre-match. So today I was with Tor Andre Flo, did pre-match in half-time and then interviews in the tunnel at full-time. So uh, I chatted to Billy Gilmore, who obviously had an amazing kind of game at midweek against Liverpool and then made his Premier League debut today. And I chatted to Gilkey Sigurdsson for Everton. And I guess the hardest thing on a, on a game like today when it's 4-0 and, and kind of Everton you know, really struggled, didn't really show up today was, is the losing team interview. That's the hardest bit because you've kind of, you know, I always find, I try and be constructive and positive And, you know, I think if you ask a, a genuine, um, well-worded question in the sense, you're not trying to throw them under the bus. You're not turning around and trying to insinuate you've had a shocker today. You know, I think you get more out of them rather than trying to get a headline of, oh, you you were pretty poor today, weren't you? I think if you kind of go, look, didn't quite work out today. What went wrong? You get more out of them. So, you know, I had a, a good chat with Gilfie today. You know, he kind of said, look, at the end of the day, we... We didn't show up. We need to improve, and you know, I kind of pushed him on. Obviously, you need to make a, a quick turnaround because you've got a Merseyside derby next game. And yeah, I got. And that's always the toughest interview when you've got to do that, you know. And if it's a, if it's a nil-nil, they can always be quite tough interviews because like I say you want to find, you want to get something that's a little bit more engaging. And yeah. obviously, the Chelsea interview today, Billy Gilmore, that was nice and easy. Congratulations, Billy! Premier League debut. How did you find it? Teams won. Um, you know, there was a couple of other academy graduates that made their debuts and came on today as well. So there was lots to talk about there. So that's the hardest bit on a game like today, but you know, some incredible goals and I just feel like incredibly blessed that I get to do the job I get to do and, you know, stand pitch side and, and talk about football. I'm very, very lucky in that respect. So very much enjoy it and say it's um, a real, I feel very blessed to do it.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, that's awesome. And then, I mean, I, I feel the same way about getting to do this and, and sit here and talk to you about it. So uh, thanks for, for doing all the work and then taking the time to, to do this. And um, yesterday you would have introduced the team sheet uh, for saints t- uh, at the fan zone. And I mean, yeah. when you saw it, were you, I mean, I don't think really there was any shock. I mean, we knew somebody was going to play right back. I guess that was the real yeah. kind of only uh, moving part over the past couple of, of, of weeks. I think the, uh, most and Sophia and Buffal, we all knew who was going to play there because Armstrong's out, Redmond's out. Um, it kind of leaves those two guys in there from the start, but, um, I mean, were you shocked at all to see Ian Valery on the team or on the team sheet, even though he hasn't even been uh, making an appearance the last couple of,
1: of weeks? Yeah, I think he's been out since before Christmas, hasn't he, with, uh, with the virus and stuff. Um, right. Was I surprised to see him in the starting up A little bit, because I know i hadn't really seen or heard of him being around the 23s, and we knew he was back in training. Um, but I think a big thing yesterday to take into account is um, Alan saint Maximum is quite a physical, strong player. Um, and obviously, Prowse has done an amazing job at, at playing there for the last couple of games. I think he did really well kind of filling in that gap on the right. Um, but it was just one of those where you obviously needed a physical player in that position and kind of looking at the options, if you were going to pick anyone we've currently got at the moment to play right back, I think Jan Valley was the right choice. Um, but obviously where he's not played, he's kind of a little bit rusty. And I think that was kind of maybe what caught us at the end slightly. But, you know, I listened to Ralph's post-match thoughts and he said, look, at the end of the day, up until that point, we were very much still in the game with 10 players. There wasn't really a, they weren't peppering us with goals and it was just a lapse of concentration. So, you know, in hindsight, of course, you could say, oh, no, we should have taken him off. But at the end of the day, it wasn't really having that much of a shocker of a game. You know, everything was quite organized and we were in control. So, um, yeah, I can understand people shock at, shock at him being there and maybe kind of thinking, oh, why was not he subbed? But I just think the physicality was a big thing yesterday. And I've seen Carl Walter Walker-Peters play in his first game. And for me, very skillful, good little player, just not massively strong in, in the physicality side of things like, you know, Cedric was quite tiny and slight, but was, was still quite physical. Whereas I think Kyle Walker Peters might've struggled a little bit yesterday against Alan St. maximum. So I could see maybe why Ralph went down that route and put Yannon.
0: Yeah. It, it almost seems to me like we, we have Kyle Walker Peters in and, and I think that that right back spot is a little thin in terms of Valerie's been out. Um, we had a spot last year and then, of course Cedric came in and played a lot this season, which I kind of wasn't expecting. I was expecting to go into the season with, with Valerie kind of at right back. And we were just going to learn everything we could from him and let him learn and make mistakes. And we'll be fine because he's, he's young and and that's what happens with defenders. But um, that hasn't been the the case. And, you know, it's unfortunate that he, he does make that mistake uh, deep into the game after we've been kind of playing with 10 men for so long that that causes the goal. But um, you know, he, I think it's going to take time. I think it's rust more than, more than anything else. And I don't think that he, you know, I'm sure the calls on Twitter will be for him to be dropped and, and everything else, but I think it it is what it is. And if he plays Kyle Walker Peters and he gets bullied all day, then we hear the same thing. So it's kind of a a tough situation for, for Ralph to be in, but, um, but yeah, I mean, the rest of the lineup, though, no, no surprises, right? I mean, you're, you're happy to see James Roy back in the, in, in the middle of the park instead of uh, playing him out of position at right back, I guess?
1: Yeah, look, James is a fantastic player. I love JWP. So for me, um, you know, it's just great to see him in a Saint shirt and out on that pitch. So, um, yeah, he's, he's had a great few games. I remember that the Villa game was really good. Um, obviously, Crystal Palace, all the, the social media was good fun with him, having Wilf Sahara in his pocket, you know. So, um, yeah, no, I'm a big fan of JWP. It's great to see him on the pitch and... You know, um, long may that continue. And you know, it's interesting yesterday with Ingsy dropping out onto the wing as well, off after, after Musa Musil went off. You know, um, and and uh, Shane Long going through the middle. So yeah, I think we've got quite a versatile team going forward. You know, that players can adapt and, and move and go into those positions. But you know, I think it's that anything, isn't it? There's always there's always strengths and weaknesses with a team. And you know, I think that the, the club's in an interesting place at the moment with with players and personnel and. You know, progress and, and moving players in. Obviously, it was, it was a shame to see Cedric go. I know kind of a mixed, mixed reaction to him from from the fan base. But um, you know, I got to interview him a few times and got to know him relatively well. And when I did get to speak to him, and you know, I think he always really did care about Southampton. And it was one of those situations where you know he wasn't going to stay at the end of the season. So financially for the club, it was best that he went. And you know, we've we've got we've done all right financially out of it, which is great. And you know, fingers crossed. Um, you know, we'll see what happens at the end of the season. But. Yeah, you know, I, I really hope Jan-Valerie as well. You know, what I said, you pointed out really well there, you know, that you know, we're expecting to go into the season with him, really. So he's, he's been out with the um, with illness. He's back in now. And I think at the end of the day, I can't see us going down. You know, the fixtures we've got coming up, I think we've easily got six points in there. Six points should be enough. That'll take us over 40. And I think you do need 40 this year. Everyone's saying it, it'll be 38, 39. I think you need to get across that that 40 mark as soon as possible. But you know, I'm I'm not concerned as I have been over the last few seasons. I think there's a few teams down there that have got a real tough run in, not saying that ours is easy. Our next home game is Manchester city, but we've got Norwich next week. Get that. That's another three points. You know, we've got Bournemouth to play second to last game of the season. Sheffield United, obviously they're doing really well this season, but again, you kind of feel that there's some points potentially in that towards the end of the season, depending on, on how things are going for them. So you know, I think we'll be all right. Arsenal at home, obviously, we had a good record against them last year at home. You know, we've got them to play still, so yeah, I think there's there's definitely six points in there, and you know, I don't think we've got the threat of the championship like you alluded to at the very start. I think you can you can alleviate your fear and worry on that, but again, you've got to get the points in the bag. And I think yesterday's performance is, as much as it was disappointing to lose, I think there were there were plenty of positives in that performance. And, you know, we play like that with eleven players, and we'll be certainly be picking up points between now and the end of the season.
0: Absolutely, and I, I think one of the main things is last week we saw. I mean, the team just didn't show up. It was, it was, it was a poor performance last week. And um, I can be a little more blunt. Uh, uh, and I, I'll be really honest. I was, I was out of town last weekend. I didn't have to talk about the match, and I'm glad I didn't because it wasn't one of those things. I think even Ralph said after the match like that wasn't good enough. And yeah. to see the response from the team this week. When we had eleven players on the pitch, we were we were doing well. Other than they, you know, McCarthy did have to come up with the triple save. Um, oh, incredible save! Or, I mean, just ridiculous. But uh, he he kept us in the game yesterday, even even after we went down to ten men. But I would say that we we started the game kind of with a lot of pressure, and I I think that had we had eleven men on the pitch, I don't think Newcastle would have been able to 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 create much. Maybe they could hit us on the break, but I, I would have been happy to 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 play that game 11 on 11 yesterday and let it play out. And I would take the result um, because I think we'd, I think we'd get it most, most, most days. Um, but to see that response from the team and then to see them continue to do that, even after the red card, you just kind of see everybody just go like, all right, like we all got to do this together. And I think that to me signals that uh, the the players at least understand a little bit of what Ralph's trying to do and and they are fighting for the manager and, and, and for each other and and they're all pulling in the same direction, which I think is a huge um, plus for the team, because I, don't, I didn't see anybody yell at Valerie yesterday uh, and maybe in the dressing room out of sight when that stuff should be happening, I guess, like, you know, you got to give him um, some criticism, but you also have to kind of build him up because you want him to come out and and, and play his game next time. You don't want to beat him down so much that he, he, you know, he's afraid to make a mistake because that's uh, if, if you're afraid to make a mistake, then. You, you'll make more of them, unfortunately, and
1: I, I think yeah. that's,
0: that's part of how it goes.
1: No, massively, look, when it happened as well, you know, Sofian went straight over to him and put his arm around him, and you know, so you know, I think there definitely is that, that kind of team spirit and that team vibe, and you know, something yesterday at Samaritan was incredible, was the fans, you know, it's, you know, it has been tough to watch this season, you know, it hasn't been good enough at times, especially at the start, and obviously the the, the game that should not be named, you know, it was, it was a very difficult time, and obviously that, you know, you want your home support behind you, and you know, and on match day, I'm, I, I try and you know, I enjoy it as much as I can as a fan while I've got one eye on the job that I'm doing. But um, the fans were incredible yesterday, you know, and there, there is something really special about Saints fans. Yesterday, everyone was in fine voice. Everyone was behind the team. And it was it re- really reminiscent of like days gone by when St. Mary's was a fortress. It was really good yesterday, really special. And, you know, so I put something out on my Twitter just saying to the fans how amazing they were yesterday because they really were. And, and I think everyone felt that was inside the stadium. And, that's such a big thing. I think we underestimate it, that positive vibes. You know, it's easy to, I guess it goes back to the d d v stuff really. Like it's easy when things aren't going well to just kind of go, oh, they're not playing good enough or, you know, oh, they shouldn't be on the bench. But at the end of the day, like Ralph's picked the side and we've got to trust with Ralph. He works with these players week in, week out. We, we don't spend the time on the training ground getting to know them, how they're feeling um, and how they're performing. So for me as fans, our part is, get behind them as much as we can. Of course, as fans, we all have a little grumble here and there, but, but yesterday the fans were just incredible. So, you know, if if anyone's listening, that was at the game yesterday, um, you know, amazing. The support was incredible. So if we can kind of keep that going for the final games of the season at home, it's going to be a very difficult place for teams to come to. And I'm sure the lads will really, really appreciate it on the pitch.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, And it's one of the things I wanted to ask you about is the, the atmosphere around St. Mary's comes up quite a bit. Um, with it being you know it, it hasn't been a fortress it's been tough for the the it's been easy for other teams to come in and play and and sometimes the the fans uh get some criticism for not maybe being as loud but yesterday i mean it was you could hear it over the t v you could um you know, people that I spoke to that were that were in the match they all said like you know the atmosphere is really going today and and I think with ten men uh the 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 type of game that we had to play. I mean, I I thought one team was gonna come to St. Mary's yesterday and park the bus. I didn't think it was gonna be us. You know, I thought that would have been Steve Bruce, but um it it didn't work out that way. But the fans I think and as you you said, like the the everybody was there for it, and I think that's what we need to as as we go through the rest of the season.
1: Yeah, no, completely. At the end of the day, football and being a fan is a very reactive thing, right? We see something on the pitch we like, we get up, we cheer, we clap our hands and you know, we see something that's not going quite right. Of course, we'll be grown and and get frustrated but you know yesterday was incredible and and like you I expected Newcastle to come and park the bus they didn't which meant we could play our football and I think that's that's always one of the tough things you know there's there's three teams in the Premier League that we play against that every time I see the fixture list, I just kind of cringe a little bit whenever we play Burnley West Ham and Newcastle they're the three games they're the three teams in and around us we should beat but they're like almost like the three toughest games of the season. It's just so annoying because you know you should beat them. You play better than them in parts of the game and somehow you still lose or you just can't play against them because they just set up in a way that makes it incredibly difficult. Um, and Obviously, we had West Ham the week before and I was just, I was so positive about that. I was like, yes, the first time we went to the London Stadium, we won 3-0. Uh, we're going to do it again. And then obviously every game since then we've lost by three goals to something and that kind of followed suit. So if you're if you're a if you're a gambling person and you, you bet the uh, West Ham to score three goals. It's a pretty safe bet, unfortunately. But um but no, look, we'll we'll be fine, I think, towards the end of the season. But yeah, the atmosphere was incredible yesterday and um really, really special. We obviously did the interview of Hugh at halftime and there was a, a gentleman called Ken, it was his ninetieth birthday and he came pitch side and the fans were incredible with him, gave him an, an amazing reception, which which was a real beautiful moment as well. When like I say, I guess that rallying as well was behind the toll 10 player thing, you know, the, the players rallied together and the, and the fans did as well. You know, I think when it first happened all the fans were like, what's going on and VAR and the, the, the usual VAR, it's not football anymore chance we're going around. But I think, you know, if you do watch it in a replay and obviously they, they show VAR in slow-mo, so it makes it look even worse. Um, and I really feel for Musa, you know, I think he's had a tough couple of weeks, of course, sadly losing his mother and thoughts with him still at the moment. It's obviously an incredibly difficult time, but, you know, he's just, he's just missed time to tackle. He's, he's not gone in maliciously. He's not done it on purpose, and the problem is we've seen that given and we've seen it not given, I think, which is a, a real frustration with the VAR, but um, yeah, unfortunately, I think, you know, with, with my professional head on, it was a red card yesterday, and I, and I feel for him tremendously, but um, again, there's just the inconsistency, I guess we've seen it given and not given, and you know, there was there was just literally, there was not one bit of malicious intent with the tackle. He's just gone for it. It's got out of his feet. You know, um, he's gone through for the ball and unfortunately caught the player. But, you know, he's um, he's a great little player. And someone at the start of the season who I was a little bit concerned about, I just, again, didn't, everyone was comparing him to Sadio Mane. And, and Sadio just had that little bit of extra strength. And I didn't feel that Musa kind of had it. And then the last game we played against Villa, he was just incredible. And I was like, yes, it's finally clicked. And then, of course, you know, the sad, sad um, passing of his mum, you know, which is, which is tough for anyone. You know, it's a sad, sad time for him. But, you know, and, and now getting the red card, unfortunately, means that he's going to miss a couple of games. But, um, yeah, it was good to see him on the front foot and, you know, playing well, which is really good to see. Because in the day, we want the Saints players to be playing well. You know, we, we all have favourites and some people are like, oh, I don't really want them at the club. But at the end of the day, they're, they're wearing the red or white of Saints. And, you know, the more we get behind them, the more we kind of give them that support, I'm sure the better better the performances are going to be? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we we have to get
0: behind the team, even if, even if there is somebody in the team that you know you don't necessarily care for. That's it's your job once the once the match starts is you got to get behind yeah. them because if any any abuse you they you give them helps the other team and that's not of course what we want. But yeah, uh, it is unfortunate for him as you mentioned he uh, his mother. Um, they said on the broadcast it was a stepmom. I don't know if his mom stepmom. It doesn't matter. Um, you lose a family member uh, like that and that it's, it's going to impact you. And so he's. Um, yeah, you, know, you know the team rallied around him a little bit, and it was nice to have him back. And I think he is just looking to make an impact. And when that ball is is cleared or kicked away or whatever, if the guy's not laying on the ground, the challenge doesn't look nearly as bad. But it is it is high. It is stud showing. It is uh, when I saw it happen in real time, it kind of looked really bad. Um yeah. as the TV, but the, the TV camera just kept going because it 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 wasn't anything. But then as soon as they it, they went, he went to look at it. Oh god, he's he's gone. Like he's gonna have a red card here, and and that's unfortunate. And I think obviously that changes the game because um Newcastle had, had the of course the the triple save of McCarthy before that but I think they they wind up getting uh growing into the game a little bit more uh once we went down to 10 men in the first half and I, you know it's unfortunate because I think if we would have continued with uh, 11 men I think we would have been uh, obviously much much better but um I mean other than other than that in the first half there were a couple of uh of other instances that maybe should have gone to the VAR decision. And, and overall, I wouldn't say Graham Scott had a great game for us. Um, I thought there were a lot of 50, 50 decisions that, that went against us. And that was a little bit frustrating because when you add that to the, the VAR stuff, it doesn't make the, his job, um, any easier for him, but it also doesn't make it any easier for us to look at and say, well, he was being, you know, 100% fair, even though I know he's, he's trying to do a job and, and make mistakes are made and, I think he got yeah. most of the big decisions right other than uh, we'll talk about with Fall's uh, handball in just a second. But, I mean, from you, I mean, was there a lot of abuse going towards the referee uh, from around the stadium uh, as, as the game went on and not just resulting from the, the VAR stuff?
1: Just a tad. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think it's the biggest problem is that with VAR. It's one of those things where as soon as it asks you to make a decision on something subjective, it becomes an incredibly gray area. If it's offside, whether we like the offside rule or not, it's offside or it's onside. It's a yes or no decision. And the same with the GDS, the ball's either over the line or it isn't. Um, and I guess there's just a lot of confusion with the rule of handball and how does that count? Is it, you know, is it a handball? What phase of play? It just It's just too complicated. Like, And if you're going to apply VAR for it, you need to make it very black and white, yes or no questions. Um, and obviously that then just creates a little bit of tension and creates a little bit of banter in the stands. And, you know, obviously you get that little bit of, a little bit of banter when decisions don't go either way. But of course, you know, VAR has been brought in to alleviate these game-changing decisions. But at the end of the day, I think, um, you know, we can't ar- argue with the, the Mutage FO red card. And again, the penalty one, you know, it's a, it's interesting that decision, you know, because I think that there's potentially a foul on Sofyan. You know, he gets pulled back and his mm-hmm. foot gets stepped on. And the problem is his arm does move forward in a way of I'm going to control it. But for me, I look at it in the sense of, well, if he hadn't been hindered and pulled back, is his movement... Is told chest going for it because he's been pulled. It looked like his arms going. Right. Um, but look, you know, at the end of the day, justice was served. Hey, what a great save by McCarthy. Matt that's Ritchie, the old Pompey fan, not right. being able to score a penalty, so it was that's good. Right. Yeah, if you're looking for positives,
0: I think that's it. Is is Ritchie didn't score. Uh, he probably <laughs> should have. And and McCarthy, of course, had a, a great day. But yeah, I mean, I think my my, tr- my my problem with that is once again in real time, it kind of looks like oh man, that looked a little low, you know and and yeah. i would have i would have called that on on sunday playing in the park like i would have said hey you know that's that's a bit much there dude but at the same time it looked like he like sofian was being pulled back there and yeah. it seems to me if you're going to go because uh i forget who got a yellow card in that situation for for newcastle for for bringing somebody down on that on that counterattack that that gets rescinded yeah. because it never happened right because the yeah. it, there was a foul or there was a handball in the box and so I mean, if you're gonna go back and pull all that back, like you got to look at, at what's causing him to do that, and if it's not clear, I, I, don't, I don't, I just don't think it was clear and obvious. But I'm, I, I can't pretend I'm being 100 um, <laughs> percent not biased here. And, and we didn't, we didn't get it scored on in that, in that sense. So I guess I got to be a little bit, uh, little bit, a little bit, I feel vindicated, I guess, a little bit. But it's still, it was, it was frustrating because, and that has to be one of those things where, once again, the people in the stands are starting to get upset with that, and and I think that's totally. Totally uh, uh, ex- acceptable on their behalf. Newcastle. I mean, you, you look back to the the triple save from McCarthy, the penalty save. They had a lot of really good chances in the first half, no goals. Go into halftime zero zero. Um, have to be happy with the performance. Once we went down to ten men, uh, Ralph changed some things, and the second half we did a, a fantastic job to limit their opportunities. Even if they had the ball, they weren't they weren't breaking us down. Maybe people people were. Um, you know, uh, doing all of the right things in, in, uh, in terms of, of playing uh, the game plan that, that was laid out at halftime for them. Um, they're, they're actually way down in the second half and yet they manage uh, a goal, but uh, going into halftime, did you still feel like we had, uh, you know, a chance to get something out of the game or was it, did you feel like maybe it was, it was slipping a little bit?
1: No, for sure. Look, at the end of, at the, end of the day when it's nearly at halftime, you're kind of like, here we go, we've got a chance to, we got a chance to get into this and, and, you know, there's a chance still to get something out of it. So, um, yeah, you know, it was it was one of those at half-time, you kind of put, you know, we've done well with 10 players, we'll see what kind of Ralph does at half-time, and yeah, that second-half performance, we came out, and as I alluded to at the top, you know, when we were talking about, you know, Valerie, you know, it was one of those where, Ralph kind of alluded to in his post-match interview he didn't make the change because it wasn't like we were struggling we weren't getting over-tested at the back you know we were, we were kind of in control of the situation considering the circumstances so yeah it was one of those games I left especially after the second half of ah oh, do you know what we could have got something out of that we kind of deserved deserved the kind of draw but it, it just wasn't to be but I think everyone left kind of in a positive way because we've, we've not won it again but i just think there wasn't there wasn't too much discontent because actually the lads rallied well they played together it was a much more improved in pro- performance on the west ham game and you know there was there was obviously a few decisions in the game that the fans kind of weren't too happy with so I,
0: I think that's i think that's fine i think if we left there i mean i think that's always how it's going to go there's always there's always things that the referee is going to do that are going to you know upset you or whatever and that's just yeah. that's just how it goes it just it just yeah. I can think back to a couple of recent games where they seem to come, have compounded on each other where it's been several instances that um, we can yeah. look back and say like maybe that did cost us a game and it's not maybe as obvious as the Watford uh, handball when they kind of literally punched <laughs> it in the net. You know? But yeah. um, still some things I think that we can be uh, a little bit upset about. And one thing that yeah. I was actually quite upset about is I think early on they had a... It was in the first half, back to the first half, uh, LaSalle scored from a set piece and he was offside. And the first thing he did was point to them and say, check it, you know? Yeah. And that's one of those things that I, he didn't make the box, like he didn't make the yeah. VAR sign, but I thought that was one of the things is that you weren't allowed to tell the referee, go look at it. You know, that's, that's yeah. supposed to be a bookable offense. And, and you take that for me, plus he was, he should have been booked later on for a, a, a cynical foul, uh, where I think he just stood in front of James Ward Prowse and made no attempt to play the ball or get out of the way. He wasn't booked for either of those. And if you're booked for both of those, then the game is different now. And so for me, that, that, yeah. that was what was frustrating for me. And I know that's a long way to go to say, you know, uh, yeah, for sure. but as I'm watching the match and I'm seeing that what we're getting called for, um, that's what's, that's what's doing it. I can also say that I was at a state final, um, or state semifinal basketball game last night where the referees did the team that I was uh, rooting for no favors. And I am, that explains my voice a little bit today. Uh, my daughter, was <laughs> a little bit of aggression things, from that <laughs> um, yeah. as well. Yeah. But, um, it, yeah, it, I'm, I'm frustrated with referees recently and I, and I'm not sh- exactly sure why, but, um, anyway, um, the thing is, though,
1: I guess we have to be a bit grateful. VAR was our friend at the start was, of the season. We were very much VAR. Oh, we like this. This is going well for us. So I guess it's I guess it's karma and it's kind of uh, leveling leveling the play of playing field out.
0: Either that, or it found out we tried to sell it to Liverpool for a lot of money in the second half of the, the January transfer <laughs> window, right? Like, you know, a, didn't I joked to, to uh,
1: I joked anyway. to a few people. I said, "Do you know what the, the Life of a Saint book? I might do a bit of." bit of marketing where um an exclusive interview of VAR what's life as a saint, but then it started going against us. So I changed my mind. Yeah, no,
0: no, that doesn't it got cutting room floor. Uh it, yeah, it exactly. doesn't make the cut. Um anyway, there, there were a couple of times late on in the in the match where um I just felt like uh, when the subs came on, I felt like Long uh, you mentioned the the change of formation. We kind of went four four one. Uh inks went out wide and Long played up top and Long ran himself into the ground. You can see him uh, you know, a couple of times he went, he went sliding into Dabrovka at one point and Dabrovka and yep. wasn't all that happy about it. But, um, you know, Long ran himself into the ground. I think Ings ran himself into the ground yesterday and that's what we we needed from the team. Um, but I, I was really a little bit disappointed when um, the subs came on and that I just didn't feel like the energy was there from them. And Adams doing his best, but it just didn't seem up, up for it. And Obafemi as well. And I'm not sure if that's just it was the end of the game and it's tough to come into a game like that. When yeah. you know Obafemi came on and the game was it was already one nothing so there's uh you know we're still sitting deep and trying but it's just not there but um did did we start to slide a little bit after after the goal and I I think we have to go back and talk about the goal a little bit but um you know what what did you notice know, or was it just my kind of the sometimes the TV coverage kind of wanes uh, at the end of, at the end of a match anyway
1: yeah look, at the end of the day the players you know the intensity that we played out for the full game it was always going to be tough playing with that intensity with ten players so. You know, it wasn't going to be uh, an easy kind of 15, 20 minutes, especially in towards the end of the game. But obviously the goal goes in and that makes it quite tough, especially when you've been in it. Because when you are down to 10 players, it does make it harder to get into because you have expended that bit more energy than the opposition. And I guess coming on as a sub in that position as well, it, it, it's quite tough. You know, you come into a game, especially... Michael, you know, he's coming in and then you're 1-0 down. You've got to try and find a goal and he comes on the 85th minute. So you haven't got too long to make an impact. And obviously, you know, you, you've got to get on the ball and try and make an impact straight away. You don't get much chance to get into the game. But, you know, I, I, I'm a big fan of uh, Michael Obafemi and, you know, Sheridan, Adams. you feel from a little bit, it's not really taking his time to settle. And he scored midweek um, last week for the, for the 23s and yeah. he's kind of found his found his shooting boots. But, yeah, it's been, it's been a tough start to the season for him. But I know he's very much a confidence player. So, you know, fingers crossed. If he can bag a couple of more goals in the 23s, hopefully between, before the end of the season, we'll we'll see his first Saints goal, and you know he'll he'll get himself blended into the side. But I think he's definitely got something to give. You know, I think you see that with some players that they can hit the ground running and they're in the squad and they're, and they're all firing all cylinders. We've just seen it today with Billy Gilmore. But you know, some players do take a little bit of time to bed in. You know, we've seen that over the years with players. in You know, maybe Shea just needs a season just to get used to the tempo of the Premier League from being in the Championship, and you know, next year he'll be the superstar that we know he can be. So
0: yeah, that's what I'm hoping for, and I know some people are would be happy to see him go already, and I just think it's 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 probably too early. He's still young, and there's a lot of there's a there's a good player in there. We just have to to kind of find it, and um, I I think one thing that points to that is the fact that both he and Remyu, uh, as as Ralph spoke of midweek in the press conference, said that they both came to him and said you know, we want to play, we need, we need a match. And and so we'll yeah. go down and play. Can we go down and play for the under 23s? And they did Us. and they both played well. And I think that's the kind of stuff that you need from players yeah. that look and say, look, I either don't fit the system or there's, there's just something that's keeping me out of the team. I need to go make sure I stay sharp and get better. And some people are, are happy to sit on the bench. Um, and, and maybe they don't like it, but they, they, I think that's going the extra step that that I think that shows that that Adams obviously wants to get better and wants to get sharper. And so for him to go do that and then to score, and especially uh, I think it was even a a Romelu assist. uh, I think that's, that's all, that's all good stuff. So we'll, we'll we'll go through it. Um, The goal Newcastle scored, it's, it was frustrating because we had played so well for so long. And then it just kind of comes out of a, of of a lazy ball from Newcastle that Valerie goes to, I don't know if he meant to kind of, I, I don't know if you just, Head it out of bounds, you just kick it out of bounds, you you chest it down and pass it back to McCarthy. I don't know what the the thought was, but um, you know, I don't I also just am not sure he knew Saint Maximum was there. And by the yeah. time he chested it down and and it wasn't um in directly into his path, Saint Maximum was on it and and that was that was that was it. And it's frustrating, but um it's even more frustrating because Newcastle hadn't scored in like seven hours and twenty minutes of really <laughs> like right? yeah. Come to St. Mary's, we'll fix that for you, you know. Um <laughs> but it's it's uh I, I don't know I, what was the what was it like when that goal went in uh, around the stadium and and I guess for you and the other guys who were working the game I and mean, what was your
1: kind of immediate reaction? Yeah, I think everyone was just a little bit deflated. You know, ah, oh, we've done so well here. You know, we've been, you know, ten men for most of the game. You know, and I think it was a little bit of disappointment at the same time. Though the crowd were brilliant. They got straight behind the boys again, and and the noise was incredible inside the stadium. So, um, you know, it's always disappointing. These things are going to happen. Like we said, you know, Jan's not played in in a few months, and first game back in I think as much as you know some people will say well you know maybe wasn't the right choice and we should have kept Wal Prowse at right back you know potentially but at the end of the day he offered something he offered a bit of physicality and you know he made that mistake and yes it's cost us the game but you know at the end of the day I think there were lots of positives to take from it and it's his first game back and yes it's cost us the three points but you know I think in the circumstances you know it's 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 tough you don't know what was going through his head you know you think Oh i know just clear it but then again you know was he aware that st Maxim was on him so quick you know should he have known that he was on him more quick you know we, i think it's very easy for us as fans to to make a judgment and turn around and say oh Rap should have subbed him sooner or or bits and pieces like that but at the end of the day he's come in um you know we've unfortunately not to win the game but we've just got to keep it positive i think you know he's another young lad who's got some real potential we saw that last season you know I think we just got to stick with him and kind of just support him, really, and say it's frustrating, disappointing because it would have been great to get something out of the game yesterday. But you know, sometimes that's just the way it goes.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and we'll get on. We have some questions about about whether or not Valerie should have been playing at all or, or whatever, and so we'll we'll get into that a little bit. But I mean, just before we we do that, the positives from yesterday, I think um, McCarthy, who who did have a mistake last week, um, of course that led to a goal for uh, for West Ham came back this week and I thought, I mean, I think who scored gave him the man of the match, or at least the highest rating, uh, of anybody. I mean, from a penalty save to the, the treble save they had earlier, he had a couple of nice, um, claims where he came for the ball and, and jumped through crowds of people to, to pull the ball down and kind of did all of those things and was unfortunately, uh, beaten for the goal. But, you know, he was, he was so good yesterday and and we have struggled as a team to keep sheets recently. Um, we have not always had, uh, we've had a fairly settled defense in front of him uh, in terms of Jack Stevens and Jan Bednarak over, you know, kind of the, since we've been playing well, but um, you know, he's come in and, and I think, I think really showed himself yesterday that that he is a, a good keeper. And uh, I think for me, that was the, that and then the work rate of the team were the kind of the two biggest positives that I took away from the match overall.
1: Yeah, massively. I think, you know, he had a great game yesterday, McCarthy, you know, that triple save was incredible. And I think, his work rate to make that triple save was brilliant and the whole team work rate was awesome yesterday. Um, I think there was plenty of positives to take away. Like I said, when I left the ground, you know, I was kind of a bit gutted, but at the same point I was like, do you know what though? We've given a good account of ourselves here. I didn't go away thinking, are oh, we throwing that away? I kind of went away and yes, was disappointed as always. down when we don't get three points, but I kind of went away saying, no, do you know what? We're, we're in a good place. We're going to be all right. You know, it was a good reaction off the back of the West Ham game. And you know, I'm, I'm sure we'll be. I'm sure we'll be fine. I'm very confident that we'll uh, pick up the points we need and we'll uh, have a much more comfortable end to the season than we have the last few. I really hope so. I really hope so. Yeah. Um, I think the biggest frustration is like the way the league is this year. That you know, a, a few more points that we didn't really pick up in February, you know, could have really cemented us in the top half. I think that'll be the only frustration we'll have come the end of the season. But I guess when we look at the start we had and how things were pre-Leicester. Oh, I've said it. Uh, the game that should not be made. (laughs) Um, I think pre that, you know, I think we can, we can, as fans can be a little bit relieved of where we are. And, you know, I always had faith in Ralph and I think the players responded in the right way. The fans are responding the right way in St. Mary's. So yeah, I think, I think it will get to the end of the season and go, do you know what? We maybe could have finished a bit higher, but at least it's not as nerve wracking as it has been the last few years.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I I would say just, even when you, when you look at the work rate of the team and and how we finished that game out, Newcastle had their their best chances early early in the match and going into halftime. And in the second half, I thought we largely frustrated them. Um, we didn't see the high press from the team, but we did see them kind of um, take advantage of, of of just setting up low and, and and just really frustrating them. And Newcastle struggled to break us down. We've seen Saints struggle against that type of defense too. And uh, I would even say that it, you have to go back probably... Um, I'm trying to. I'm trying to think in my head of the last time we really had to sit deep and dig in like that and defend that well, because yeah. it never really felt like we were gonna we were gonna give up a goal. It felt like they were yeah. they were struggling for chances as as the game went on, which uh, gave, gives me confidence. Um, but yeah, I, I'm thinking back. You remember the Man City game where uh, Pep yeah. grabbed Redmond and said, "You know, you shouldn't be playing like that" or whatever. But uh, yeah, that 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 was I think the last time I remember clearly that we dug in that deep and and really looked like, hey, we're we're gonna be fine here. Um, it didn't work out for us that day either, uh, but you know, uh, there you go. Yeah. Um. Anyway, like you sure. said, I think move on. Uh. We we'll, we learn from it. I think, and and uh, hopefully, uh, on another day against another team with with eleven men, I think we'll be we'll be all right if we play like that the rest yeah. of the season. Maybe. Um. We have a couple of questions. Um. Cool. So let's let's jump to that. Uh. We'll start with I think it's Ian. Maybe it's at Ian underscore maybe in. Uh, I mean, looking at the team right now, I would have thought that, that in those wide positions, because we we started with Redmond, Armstrong, uh, Buffal, and Janapo, you, you, you struggle to get all of those guys into the game. Uh, you know, one of them's normally going to be left on the bench. Um, yeah. But all of a sudden, you have injuries to two of them at the same time. And now we're asking those guys to do all of that work all up and down the pitch. Um, but, but which area around the team do you think uh, is maybe the the... I guess the thinnest in that you, you would want to yeah. see somebody brought in to
1: help or would you just go back to the center back or where where would you go? I think it'd definitely be defensively. I think just the, the right back and left back situation, I think it'd be really cool to get some, um, you know, strong competition for, for Ryan Bertrand. You know, I'm a big fan of Ryan Bertrand. I just think, you know, maybe we need to look at the competition. Obviously Matt Target's gone across to Aston Villa now and um, Sam McQueen's been out long term with injury. Um, it's not really worked for Kevin Danso yet, which is, which is a shame. So I was quite excited to see him come in and, and see what he, he could do. Um, and obviously, you know, with with the right back, we've brought, um, you know, Carl Walker-Peters is coming. We haven't really seen much of him just yet. So, yeah, I think that kind of defensively is an area I think we really need to look at. Obviously, you know, we've got some great players going forward. You know, Armstrong, when he's fit again, is incredible. Been really impressed with him this season. Danny Ings, the legend that is, goal machine. Um, you know, it'd be good for him to get his, his shooting boots on towards the end of the season again and get back on a little bit of a run like he did earlier in the season. But yeah, I think if, if we were to improve an area, maybe just defensively, I think is is a massive thing. I think we've struggled since Virgil left. You know, we, we had a, a real good, solid defense at one point with Jose font and Virgil um, and those kind of players. And um, you know, I think that's an area we haven't really fixed and we invested in properly. You know, I think we struggled up front for a while because we didn't really put the money back in and, and replace Graziano Pella. Um, and I think kind of Ingsy's filled that kind of void a little bit now. He's our actual kind of goal scorer. He's got that, you know, prowess around the box. So um I think we've kind of solved that problem. But yeah, I would I would say defensively as a as a fan, that would be an area I think we'd want to just um let's even strengthen but just give a bit more competition for and just you kind of have a bit more support in there.
0: Yeah, I think pushing players is always is always good and, and just you know, yeah. and Jake now that Jake Vogans isn't doing that, but Jake Vogans is not quite ready and, you know. I just think that's, that's where we're at. And, and yeah, I, I can agree with you there. I, I love Ryan Bertrand, but, uh, yeah. you need, you need to, sometimes you need to be pushed, um, Completely. when you, when you get comfortable. And, uh, for me that happens whenever I get evaluated at work and, uh, or when somebody yeah. sends me an email and says, Hey man, that episode was garbage. And it's like, okay, well, I <laughs> surely not. You to,
1: don't get an email like that. <laughs> uh,
0: it's usually from the same guy. And I, you know, <laughs> we'll see if he listens this far. Cause he'll go, I can't believe you talked about that. You shouldn't be talking about that, but whatever. It's, <laughs> it, it doesn't bother me that much, but it, it does right. make me go like, okay, well, what, well, is there any validity here? And do I need to, uh, to, to yeah. work on some things in and that's how you get better. So it, it's thanks. Exactly. thanks to 7.6 7.
1: billion people in the world, 7.6 billion people aren't going to like you. So that's, that's the most important thing, that's but true. there are going to be a lot of people that do like you. So it's good. <laughs>
0: um, we we have a lot of questions that 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 focus on Valerie, and uh, so let's go through the ones from Al Capone one five six on Instagram, and the ones from Colt Baker uh, on Facebook. So we'll we'll go with Colt, and then I'll read Al Capone's as well. So says, so uh, do you think Rob Hasenhuttle should have started Valerie since he hadn't been on the pitch a while, even though he hasn't been subbed on in the last few weeks? And then um, Al Capone says, do you think Kyle Walker Peters would have struggled as much as Valerie seemed to had he started? Um, we kind of talked about it a little bit earlier. Uh, we talked about the strength of, of of Valerie and kind of just the size and what he was up against in Saint yeah. Maximum, uh, and I think if you if you look at at the fans of Newcastle and who they've really latched onto this year, uh, it's been Saint Maximum because he's been the guy who's um, been their biggest kind of uh, I guess a lightning rod. Like people people are attracted to him, uh, they are behind him. He's he's a good follow on on social media. Uh, he's got some good celebrations and he's he's just lively. And so I think he's going to be yeah. the guy that they're trying to funnel the ball through. Um, uh, as they attack. And I think that I don't, I don't really, I'm not really sure it matters who he's up against. He's going to make them look bad at some point. He's going to beat them and Buffal did well to track back and help out and stuff like yeah. that. But um, for me, I think that uh, maybe, maybe Kyle Walker-Peters has a bit more pace, but I think he's going to be out-muscled by him. And I think that's, that's kind of what you had said earlier as well.
1: Yeah, no, massively. I think that could be completely how I'd kind of answer that question is. I think you know when you look at the physicality of Alan at he's a very strong player and I've seen a Carl Walker-Peters so far, kind of, I said, skillful little player, but just for me, I don't think would have been able to deal with that physicality, especially coming back after a car. I think it was a calf injury he had, wasn't it, that made him miss the last couple. But um, yeah, I think, I think Valerie was the right choice, although he's been out for a while. I think, you know, he has got that physicality, is a little bit stronger. Um, and yes, it's always tough kind of throwing someone in like that, but I think it was the right choice. Um, yes, you could have put Prowsey back back there where he's been the last couple of games, but Actually, I think he was very good in the middle of the park again yesterday. So there comes a point where you can't expect him to play there all season because we need him in the middle as well. But um, and as I said, I've alluded to as well, you know, Ralph works with these guys week in, week out. He knows when they're ready and when they're not ready. And, you know, if, if, if Valerie wasn't ready, he wouldn't have started. I think he would, have, he would have held off. But I think the option was there. I think the physicality is the big thing and the reason why Valerie played and I think why he stayed on so long. And, you know, it's easy in hindsight to look back and, and kind of say, you know, well, you no know, car walker, Peter should have played. But for me, I think Valerie was the right choice. Um, you know, just, it was just unfortunate. If he hadn't made that mistake, I think I don't necessarily think we'd be maybe having that conversation. Sure, sure, I, I'm
0: there with you. And and I also think that if you look at probably the game plan that Saints laid out, you look at not that not that Steve Bruce was going to go, you know, five four one. I don't think he would have sat back that much. But I think no. we would have expected to have the majority of the ball and to have been attacking. And in that instance, Valerie is probably the right guy to have. He's he's great going forward. I always I thought so far he's looked better as a wing back. Um, yeah. cause he is allowed to get forward more. And so I think that you, you take that into, into consideration with the the starting lineup. And, and if the, if the, if the, if the red card doesn't come, then maybe the game is different. And maybe then, uh, he's able to yeah. show a little bit more because even, even after that, he still went on some runs going forward and was able to dribble nicely and had that nice shot where he cut in and, um, you know, that was one of the best chances we had in the first half and it, and that comes from him. And so um, I can't, I can't really be upset with with that. I can be upset with uh, a defender making the mistake because it's, we, I still think are not quite good enough to overcome those mistakes. And I think that's been yeah. the way we the saints have been for the past couple of seasons is, is, uh, you know, some of these teams that you look at Liverpool or Manchester city, or things like that, where they make a mistake and the whole team just goes, we're good enough to to get two goals now. And we're just not quite there yet at Southampton. Yeah. And that's
1: that's unfortunate, but it is it is what it is, and we have to just keep moving forward with it. I think. Yeah, hundred percent. You know, um, like you said, you know, he made some good contributions, and like if we hadn't gone down to ten, you know, it could have been a slightly different situation with that. But um, yeah, that's one thing that I suppose the difference between winning the Premier League and finishing mid table is is having that ability to be able to react, and it's something that's been quite incredible to see this year firsthand with with Liverpool and Manchester City that we've seen. In those last couple of years, regardless of what happens, they go a goal down. They're just relentless. They just just the relentless pursuit of perfection and just the way they keep fighting and they just keep going. They go a goal down, but they remain composed. You know, it's, it's incredible to watch. And, you know, I think every team in the Premier League that isn't them looks at it in envy and in, in envy really. And, um, yeah, and it'd be amazing if Saints were able to play like that one day. You never know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, it'll, it'll happen. I'm sure. Um, yeah, for sure. So, so one more question, uh, from Al Capone one five, six here on, on Instagram um you know, we t- You talked earlier where you see these teams come up against us uh, in the table and, and you see these teams on the schedule, and you kind of go like, "Ah, this isn't a good one and um my face when we play newcastle or or Burnley is not ever that great because it's not it's not a game I want to get up uh, get up for, and Thank thankfully, uh, we haven't had any of these games where you know the four thirty a m kickoff for me is, has not been Burnley, which is great because that's one of those ones like maybe I'll just wait until you know three p m. and watch it but um <laughs> You know, we we Al says here, we haven't been able to to pick up the points from teams around us in the table. Um, his coworkers telling him we're too good to go down. I mean, what's your, your thought? You, you said earlier, I think, that you know we are and we'll be fine and we'll pick up points somewhere.
1: Yeah. Uh, you, you, I, 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 I assume you haven't changed your mind in the last 25 minutes. So, uh, no, completely not. We're going to be fine. Yeah, yeah, no, completely. And like I say, yeah, it's frustrating. I think those teams are... Are always they're very difficult to play against. Burnley set up with eight players behind the ball and hit on the counter, and you know it's difficult to play against Burnley. I think a lot of teams will will agree with that, and you know it is frustrating. You know you want to beat those teams around you, and I guess that's the nature of the Premier League. It's a very very tough league. There are going to be good teams that go down this year. Um, I think anywhere below us can easily still get sucked in, and yes, mathematically we still can. We're not safe yet, but you know you look at those teams. There's going to be some good teams that go down this year. You know Brighton could potentially go down. Um, you look at it, you know, Crystal Palace are still, uh, could get sucked in, I think as well, but my memory serves me right. West Ham are down there, you know, Norwich have played some beautiful football this year and it looks like they're going to go down. Watford have managed to pull themselves out, but, you know, we've seen the football they've played over the last couple of years. So, I think it's always tough when you kind of make the analogy of it's, teams are too good to go down, you know, at the end of the day, there's, there's a lot of quality in the Premier League now. We're very lucky to, to kind of have a league like that in the UK where teams are so good. And The championship now is incredible, that. The level of players. I think Southampton have got enough this year. I think we kind of had our fingers burnt the last couple of years and it got incredibly nervy. But, um, you know, I, th- I can easily see six points between now and the end of the season, which will take us over 40 points. And, you know, I think that's definitely once again the magic number this year. But it could, it could get really tight. But you look at some of the fixtures of, of what teams have got. Brighton have got a very tough run in now. Bournemouth, they've got a very tough run in. Um, so I think we'll be okay. Even if we didn't pick up another point between now and the end of the season, it'd be, it would be very much nervy time. But, I think we'll be all right, and hopefully we can then build on it going forward to next year. And I believe in Ralph. You know, I, I know it, um, it was it would have been easy at the start of the season. I think you know for, for any other club would have maybe made a change. But I, I'm really pleased with the way the club stuck by Ralph. You know, he really buys into the philosophy. You you see behind the scenes and how the players react and what he's doing. And you know, Ralph's reaction around the women's team it's incredible to see. And he buys into it, which is so nice because I think we have had managers in the past that haven't really bought into Southampton and the Southampton way. And he kind of really does. And, and we're very blessed to have him and fingers crossed. Um, he'll stay with us long term and everyone will keep their hands off him. And there won't become Tottenham come scratching around for him or someone like that or Liverpool. So fingers crossed we'll be all right. But um, yeah, yeah, I, I think we'll, I really I think we'll be up so. this year. I don't think we'll go down. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, i'm I'm looking at the table now and and you know we're seven points clear that's you're asking teams who uh have not managed very many wins at all this season to yeah. suddenly come up with 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 seven points with two wins and a yeah. and a draw in the last ten um that's yeah. asking a lot, and that's assuming we don't pick up another another point at all um and so yeah. i I don't know I'm not saying we're clear where we're 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 fine, but um I think uh as you said before some some of these teams have played good football over over portions of the season Watford of course beat. Uh, Liverpool just just recently, but then all of those teams below us, I think, except for Brighton, all lost this weekend. So it, yeah. it is kind of just how how it goes. And um, if 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 it all holds out, we'll we'll be all right. And I think there they we'll find a way to beat teams um hopefully badly and we'll correct some of that goal difference um from the hey look the beginning. way the
1: way we played yesterday if we play like that against norwich next weekend that i think there's three points there so yeah. fingers crossed norwich a good team to play against because um they do like to play football so that you find the space so if we play the press like we like to play there'll be space there'll be room to make goals and we can be solid defensively like we were yesterday and, you know, McCarthy, another, another great game. We can stop Pookie and stop their outlets. You know, I think, um, I think we'll
0: be all right. Yeah. I think uh, one thing to be, to watch will be uh, how many times we kick Cantwell uh, or early on, just on the <laughs> ground, give him the Jack Grealish treatment, be fine with me.
1: Um, well, we know the man to put on him, right? James yeah. Ward-Prowse.
0: <laughs> uh, looking forward to it. But, yeah, um, uh, Michael, I just want to say thanks again for for doing this, and um, I mean, unless you have something to add, I think I think we've kind of covered it, and there's no sense in uh, in, in going on forever about about things. I think we've got it all out there. But uh, uh, anything anything else you want to
1: add? No, thanks so much for having me on. Always a pleasure to chat to you, and um, you know, hi to everyone who listens, and make sure you keep supporting the podcast because uh, it's an amazing job you're doing to keep that up. And uh, man, can't wait to uh, to share the book with you all guys as well. So like uh, like you said you want to give one away so what we'll do is um I'll get one signed at the launch on the ninth, and I'll get it sent over to you to to do as a giveaway so that's no problem we'll sort that out
0: I appreciate that very much and uh, and yeah um and the the book will be up for pre-sale on the 27th of March the release is March 9th that you'll have the launch party um, and and there there's more to come in this kind of series and so um yeah you know, sure uh, as that comes on we'll keep doing that and, and I just want to reemphasize again or emphasize again um the, the pound per book is staying with the saints foundation 2 pounds per book is going to other uh local uh, good causes around the southampton area so um i think for me that that means a lot because i think there's a lot that um there there's a lot that needs to be done in the in the community um and i'm not yeah. from the community but i talk to people that live there and and have grown up there and i think for people to know that that's staying there and and going to help people who who can use it i think is 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 a big thing so uh, people can yeah. follow you on, on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, you're at Michael Kern, uh, life of a saint is at life of a saint 85 and the, in the, the link or the, uh, the website, I should say, uh, life of a all of that's in the show notes. And, uh, yeah, hopefully people enjoy the book and get on it and, uh, hopefully get some good stories in there. Um, I'm slightly envious of you getting to, to do some of those interviews, but also not envious of all the prep that it must take to do 26 of those <laughs> things. So, uh, good That's for incredible. you for, for doing all that.
1: That's uh, good fun. I'm looking forward to starting the second book. So, the second book's Life of the Saints 76, and it's going to be a very special book out next year to, to mark the 45th anniversary of the FA Cup final win. So, you know, I feel very blessed and very lucky I'm going to get the chance to sit down with our 76 heroes. So, um, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll make sure I don't take it for granted and enjoy every second for you all.
0: Yeah, Uh, well, um, thank you again. And hopefully uh, you'll, you'll be up for doing this again at some point
1: down the road. Anytime, thanks for having me on. No problem.
0: And that does it for this week's episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope that you've enjoyed it. Special things this week goes out to Michael Kern. You can find him on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Michael Kern. You can get in touch with his new book at lifeofasaint.co.uk or follow along at lifeofasaint85 on social media. Also, if you're the person who has just life of a saint on social media, either tweet with it or give it up, man. Like, you're ruining everything. If you're interested in the book and excited about the book, remember it goes on sale for pre-order March 27th, and it will be released May 9th. Uh, if you order it before then, you'll get it on release day. Uh, if you live in the Southampton area, maybe you can attend the release day launch party. There's, there's a lot of plans to go along with the book and everything else. So be sure to stay in touch. Stay up with the project. Uh, I am very, very excited about it. And I can't say enough that uh, one pound per book is going to the Saints Foundation and two pounds per book is going to other local good causes, uh, staying in the Southampton area, giving back to the community, which I find to be uh, admirable and awesome. And everything else that just is what Michael Kern is. So remember, you can find him on Talksport, uh, on Indonesian television, uh, and everywhere else that you look or listen. So stay in touch with him. Uh, he'll make it worth your while, I'm sure. Say hi to him on Match Day. He always appreciates that. Go to follow this show on social media. We're at SFC D E L L underscore I V E R Y on both Twitter and Instagram. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash SFC Delivery. The easiest way to stay up with us is just to go over to the show website at Delivery.com. There you'll have all the links to listen, subscribe, rate, review, all that stuff. Uh, and also sign up for the newsletter that comes out each and every Friday. The show would be impossible without the partners of the show. Matt Beeling does the logo for the show. Uh, you can find more from him at the We Are Southampton page on Instagram. Also, our partners, the Southampton page, are on Twitter, at Southampton page, and on Instagram, at Southampton page one. If you used to follow them on Instagram, that old account's gone. Uh, go find the new one. The link is in the show notes. All music for the show comes courtesy of the Free Music Archive at freemusicarchive.org. The intro song is Epic Song by Boxcat Games. And the end of show credits that you're listening to right now is Aim is True by Ponington Bear. I look forward to talking to you all again next week. And hopefully I will see some of you at the second annual United States of Southampton FC event in Chicago on April 4th. I will be at the bar. I will be at the fire game. I will probably be back at the bar. Uh, I'll have recording equipment and I'll be looking to get your stories about how you became a Saints fan, your take on the season and everything in between. So I uh, hope to see you there. And until next time, remember that together we march on.